The Fantasy Focus Football Podcast is presented by GEICO. Whether you rent or own, GEICO makes it easy to bundle home and auto insurance. Go to GEICO.com today. Fantasy, you're in the whole 6010. Welcome in, Fantasy Focus Football Podcast Field, Mike and Starfania with you on a Thursday. We've got some stuff going on. I'm going to scoot this way so I can fit into the frame of the camera right now. Thanks for watching us on all platforms or listening to us wherever you find your podcast. Thursday night, we got football tonight, and it feels different to me than last week because although last week the first game was on Thursday, it didn't feel like the normal Thursday night football break. It was a season opener. We had six mm-hmm. months to get ready for that game. Now it's like, I just finished, like, I, I think I just finished Monday night football. Like, I went to bed and I still had Joe Tessitore and Booker McFarlane mm-hmm. in my sleep or my <laughs> or mind. Or Lou Riddick. Or Louis yeah, Riddick yeah. and Steve Levy and Brian right. Greasy and Diana Rossini and Lisa Salters, right? right? And here we are. We're waking up. It's like, wait, football again? Uh-huh. Football again is already here. Thursday night football in general, Mike, opinion, good or bad for the league? Thursday night football, it's good. good. It's good for the fans because we want to watch the games. We I'm want with football. You. There's yeah. no question. It's more football. And it's not, you know, it's not like it's, we're overwhelmed with it. It's not like it's every day, right? It's just one extra day, a Thursday, a Monday, a Sunday. It's, it's fine. I love it. I'm glad we get football during right. the week. Right. I like those random college football games that we have on, you know, Mac action, Maction as they call it is always fun for me on Tuesdays. I am good with more football, the better. So we got a game preview. We've got a bunch of injury news. And of course we have Mike's wide receiver cornerback matchups. Daniel, let's get right to it. Rewind. news from the National Football League. We got news here this morning, and I'm just going to tease Stefania up because she's more of an expert on everything other than me or compared to me, and especially this kind of information. Stefania, Darius Geis is taking a visit to Dr. James Andrews as the incredibly naive person when it comes to medical stuff. My thought is always when Dr. James Andrews is involved, I'm a little bit nervous. Well, Dr. James Andrews is involved because he did Geis' ACL, so he has familiarity with him, and it's understandable that he would go back and see him again about this. Now, Geis' ACL was in the opposite knee, his left knee. This is his right knee. He has a meniscal injury, and the thing about a meniscus injury is that cushion in your joint, right? And the evaluation is always, you know, they have to look at the nature of the tear, the location of the tear, and they're not only evaluating for the immediate But for the future, this is a young running back who hasn't even gotten his career off the ground in the NFL. You want to do what's best for his long-term career. And so those things all factor into when they look at it. Is this something where you're trimming a piece of the meniscus, you kind of clean it up and let them go? Or do you try and repair the meniscus, which is better for the long-term, if it's a repairable situation and in a repairable location? But that could compromise you for potentially the entire season in other words, while you're rehabbing it. So I don't think it's safe to put a time frame on it uh, because those decisions are typically made intraoperatively. They go in, they get the best view of the injury. You can look at MRIs. You can see, yes, there's something going on there. But when you go in with a scope, you get the total view. You make the decision about what to do. And that will happen today. And by this afternoon, we should have a better idea of the timetable. But understand, out this week for sure and probably for additional time after that. All right, Mike, so let's focus on week two because the Redskins, I mean, every game is sort of a must win, but for the Redskins, they play on Sunday against the Cowboys, and it seems like it'll be a healthy dose of Adrian Peterson plus Chris Thompson. Which one do you prefer, or are both 
Crank them up a bowl for your lineup. I wouldn't say crank them up a bowl. I would say I made that word up right now. I like it. We yeah. should put that in Webster right now. I, I think that's a good word because uh, you know it's, it applies sometimes, but I don't think it applies here. I think if you were looking for a flex option, maybe you have some problems. Maybe you lost a guy like Darius Geis. Chris Thompson is your next best option. But again, I have him at RB thirty here in week two against the Cowboys at home. I have Peterson at thirty one, so it's a close call. If you're in a non PPR league move toward Peterson. Remember, he was fifth in the NFL in carries last season. He averaged about 4.2 yards per carry. He scored eight touchdowns. Of course, he's limited as a pass catcher. That is Thompson's job. And we saw him rack up 10 targets in that game uh, last week. So he's going to be involved. PPR, an asset for sure. Peterson, you got to make sure if he's still available in your leagues, you scoop him up and consider him for the flex. And to that point, take a look in your league because Adrian Peterson is available in 49.9% of leagues right go. now. Chris Thompson available in north of 60% of leagues. couple of things to keep in mind. This Cowboys run defense is probably the one area that they're a bit vulnerable right now defensively. Now, Saquon Barkley makes everybody look bad, but the Cowboys entered this season thinking to themselves, like, if we can do everything else well and just figure out the run defense, mm -hmm. we'll be more than okay on defense. We'll be dominant. Could be an area for Adrian Peterson to expose. I'm with you, though. If I had my choice between these two players, I almost always defer to the one that has shown us over the past two years he can be a top 15 play because of his wide receipt or his right receiving output, which is what Chris Thompson was two years ago. Now, that's no best-case scenario, sort of like that Duke Johnson year a couple of seasons ago. But you catch the football and you play 16 games, you've got a chance to be a guy that is a weekly staple of your lineups. Now, if Hunter Henry didn't have bad luck as it pertained to injuries, he'd have no luck at all, honestly. So uh, Hunter Henry, we found out yesterday, had what is being called a tibia plateau fracture, Stefania. That's Correct. the That's technical term. Yes. What's the layman's version? What happened to Hunter Henry? Uh, basically, banged his knee. You know, so you get a, a bump together of the, of the, uh, the femur, the thigh bone, and leg bone, and sometimes you get it at the wrong angle. Uh, it results in bone injury. And in this case, uh, that tibial plateau is basically your tibia is your shin bone, and it's the shelf. It's the crest of that bone. And... You want to be careful about making these all the same. I mean, I say this about every injury, but in some cases, there are fractures that require surgery uh, to stabilize them. This does not sound like one of those cases. Sometimes just a tiny crack, but you want it to heal because you don't want something to happen that's going to compromise his knee for the rest of his life and potentially compromise his future. So Hunter Henry, I've seen a timetable of four to six weeks. I think that's probably reasonable margin given um, what we know about the injury. It's not the same side as his ACL, so that's a good thing. Uh, but it does mean they're without Hunter Henry for the foreseeable future. Hold on, Field Yates. Why don't you we'll turn the mic on real quick? Couple of things. I was talking to the studio during Stefania's tidbit, and I forgot to turn my mic back. It's okay, on. buddy. Couple of things here. They did not place Hunter Henry on injured reserve, which is a good sign, um, because if they did that, it would mean a minimum of eight weeks that he was gone. I had heard some rumblings myself a couple of days ago that they had worked out, and I know. As a matter of fact, they did work out three separate veteran tight ends on Tuesday. Not named Antonio Gates. Uh, correct. Uh, Will Ty, Luke Wilson of Hard Knocks lore, and also Ben Koyak, who uh, played for the Jaguars previously. Head coach uh, at that time was Gus Bradley. He's now the Chargers defensive coordinator. Anyways, none of them have been signed yet, and the practice week has begun, which may indicate to you that, hey, like they're just going to ride it out. It's going to be hopefully four weeks Maybe six weeks. We're going to do our best to make things work in the meantime with who we have left, Mike. And the thing is, like sometimes when a player gets hurt, we turn to the next option. For the Redskins, when Jordan Reed is out, we say, hey, maybe Vernon Davis can catch a touchdown. And he does. 
Not sure if that's simple with the Chargers and Hunter Henry. No question about it. 31-year-old Virgil Green, the next man up, and he has never cleared 22 receptions in a season or scored more than one touchdown in a season. Yeah. He has shown, and we've, listen, we've flirted with him in fantasy. We've added him to rosters. We've drafted him late. We've said, hey, maybe with Henry out or Gates out, he can uh, do some damage. We thought about this when he was in Denver as well. It has never happened. So the answer is no. I mean, if you have... Uh, Hunter Henry or tight end problems, Green's not the answer. You're going to be able to do better on waivers, whether it's a Darren Waller, a TJ Hawkinson, if they're still out there, they probably were scooped up on waivers, or or someone else that could be a maybe a 12 to 15 sort of range tight end. That's the area to go, not Virgil Green. Isn't that the thing? Like, we get this news the day after waivers are over. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, that, what, that, what that means from there, though, is that you have to be the expedient one, right? right. And a, lot of, a lot of leagues have rolling waivers once Wednesday is past you, so you have a chance to grab a Darren Waller or a TJ Hawkinson who's still available in almost 40% of leagues. There you go. So the utter disrespect so many, to Daniel Dopp is just I filthy. Know. It's filthy. I even picked him up a couple Did places. they not watch the game? Like, who didn't watch know. that game? Well, not only do they... I watched 70 minutes of it. <laughs> Thank like, you, Like, I went feel? the extra mile. I yeah. watched 70 minutes of Lions football on that Sunday. Was I ridiculous. that. Um, so as if, again, as if things couldn't get any worse for the Chargers, who are already without Derwin James, Melvin Gordon, he's not at work right now. Russell O'Kung's on non-football injury list. He's a Derwin good left James tackle. Derwin James still recovering from... Yep, Derwin James mentioned he's on IR right now. Mm-hmm. Mike Williams is now <sighs> a major question mark to find it because of a knee issue. And... Mike Williams, remember in the preseason, I picked him, you know, Daniel was like, is he really, we had this whole debate about whether he would end up being the guy they drafted. And I was like, yes, this is his year. You know, he was hurt the first year because of the disc injury and he could never really get his legs underneath him. And we saw promise. We saw flashes last year. And I thought this would be the year. And already he leaves the game in the fourth quarter with a sore knee. And we haven't heard anything about specifics as far as what the knee issue is. We know he was going to get it further evaluated early this week. He did not practice on Wednesday. And Anthony Lynn's words about whether he was concerned that he would not have him. Absolutely. That's pretty definitive. So I think it's already looking like it won't be this week. But without much more information, it's hard to project beyond that. I like Anthony Lynn in a lot of ways. I also think he's one of those coaches that like some coaches like Sean McFay, usually very specific. Like, hey, we expect or Mike Tomlin's very, very specific. Hey, we think, you know, insert player X is going to miss two weeks because of insert injury Y. Um, some coaches obviously give us minimal, uh, if minimal. It feels like Anthony Lynn's one of those coaches that even if he's not specific, you can just read his body language and his tone. And you're like, right. okay, you know because what's going on. Because he is on. more vague. I mean, for him to say absolutely is, you know, he, he's right. usually he's a little more vague it, than right? that. Right. Um, so uh, Anthony Lynn disappointed, or not disappointed, but uh, very concerned uh, regarding Mike Williams' knee issue, Mike. So they play the Lions on Sunday. Who's going to catch passes besides Keenan Allen? Uh, good question. I think, uh, well, Travis Benjamin and Dontrell Inman, remember him, they would be the yeah. next two guys up. So, uh, I don't know that I feel great starting either one, but on the other hand, you might think like, well, maybe they'll try to run the ball with Justin Jackson and Austin Eckler, but do you want to do that against Detroit with Snacks Harrison and Mike Daniels and maybe Deshaun Handback and Nashawn Robinson? I mean, that's a, one of the best defensive fronts in the NFL. So I think on the road in this game, it's going to, the line's going to be very close. They're going to have to throw the football. So maybe Travis Benjamin, has some sleeper appeal. I mean, he did have that season where he had almost a thousand yards and five touchdowns with Cleveland, but that was way back in 2015. I mean, yes, he, he has an opportunity to catch maybe a long pass in this game, but I'd, I'd be nervous. I'm not going to rank him as a flex if Williams is out, but it's going to be close. If you, if you're in a deeper league or maybe a DFS tournament and you want to throw a dart, it, I think uh, Benjamin's the guy. Two other guys that are going to catch passes, uh, this week. 
is going to be Darius Slay and Tracy Walker. Just oh, throwing that out there right now. Yeah, Nailed it, Daniel. Got it? I love it. Daniel <laughs> already so... calling a shot for a pick six of Philip Rivers. This game is being played in Detroit, by the way. So the Lions, you know they're going to be, you know they're frustrated. They're going to be roaring on oh, Sunday. Oh, Daniel. they are. Roaring they're on Sunday. They're angry about that last tie. And after they're going to be dying. All right. So listen, I think we know which way it's trending with Mike Williams. Make other plans if he is part of your starting lineup as things currently stand. Play that jingle, Daniel. He's a brainiac. Brainiac, he's Mike Clay. Brainiac, a little bit of a generous description. <laughs> little bit. Whoa, anyway. Whoa, whoa. Wide you receiver my song and then you threw shade. I don't. I don't uh, appreciate wide receiver it. cornerback matchup is live on ESPN.com. If you have ESPN Plus, it's all yours. If not, the joke's on you, my friends. Let's get to some of Mike's most notable matchups from the week. And Mike, not being a homer here, of course, picks Calvin Ridley facing the Eagles. I just saw Case Keenum go ham on mm-hmm. the Eagles. Mike, do you expect Calvin Ridley to have quite the day, a la maybe Terry McLaurin last week? <laughs> I do. In fact, Terry McLaurin uh, did a lot of his damage against Russell Douglas, four catches, 117 yards in that touchdown. And the Eagles have some some issues at corner, which is what else is new. You mentioned at the top of the show, right, the season's now rolling like it feels like it's rolling well yeah as soon as we start talking about the problems with the Eagles corners you know uh, the season is officially underway Ronald Darby not 100% still limited Jalen Mills is out Rasul Douglas I just mentioned him struggling in week one Sidney Jones is getting some run on the outside as well right now with Avante Maddox in the slot it's just an area where teams attack they don't want to go after the Eagles front seven they attack the cornerbacks they're good at safety too so they're just aiming for the perimeter we've seen this for years and it's happening uh, again this season uh, Calvin really did very little against the Eagles it, and it was it was his first NFL game last year it was that game was in Philadelphia a little bit of a different situation but I expect him to be able to take advantage see maybe six to eight targets in this game he's certainly an upgrade and you could say that about Julio Jones as well oh yeah yeah Julio getting an upgrade <laughs> yeah yeah well, time you like, like, right? have you heard three, of him three to two you know yeah. I'm a Julio Jones apologist forever and ever yeah, I know some. What, what would Daniel be? Daniel, what would you be if Stefania apologizes about a Julio Jones? What do you do? Uh, I or don't. No, she's an apologist. An, an, you just apologize. Yeah. yeah, I don't. I'm. Yeah, he's I'm a non-believer. A, he should be apologizing. He's a non-believer. He's a besmircher. I am yeah. agnostic on Julio. No, Jones. you're not agnostic. No, you're not. You yeah. have an opinion. I it's don't. The wrong one. Oh, but you have an opinion. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that's fair. You know something, Daniel? I just talked to Julio Jones's bank account, and it cares not about your opinion. <laughs> <laughs> the dude's worth literally like a hundred million dollars now. Right. Good for him. Yeah. And guaranteed. He's a superstar wide receiver. This has never been my argument. It's What's not your argument? That he's not a superstar wide receiver. It's that up until last year, he didn't score enough touchdowns for me for a guy that I was drafting in the first round. Last year, he regressed to the mean. And he got in the end zone. My, I'm using Mike Clay's terminology. No, I just, I would rather have someone else. I just, uh, that's where I okay. was at. Okay. okay. I'll play you. Uh, heard it bad here. Uh, quick clip this off, Kenny. Uh, Daniel Dopp would prefer Rashard Higgins <laughs> to Julio Jones. Make that a video headline. Give me those right TDs. That's just all I'm saying. Kidding. Just kidding. Michael, tell us more about yeah. Julio Jones' matchup because he seems to have a little thing with Philadelphia. Yeah, this is incredible. In fact, I was going through his game log against the Eagles in recent seasons, and I thought, like, something's wrong here. These numbers cannot be right because it's incredible how much he has dominated this team. Starting in 2012, five catches, 123 yards, and a touchdown. 2015, nine catches on 12 targets, 141 yards, two touchdowns. 2016, 10 catches, 135 yards, and 16 targets. 2017, 15 targets, nine catches, 101 yards. And last season in that week one game, 19 targets, 10 catches, 169 yards. So he's averaging over 13 targets, eight catches, 
134 yards and a little over a half a touchdown per game against the Eagles good. in his last five. Sounds good. I mean, and the Eagles, again, <laughs> they have not solved their perimeter corner play. He's going to be featured. The game's at home. I mean, if you're you're starting him anyway, but in DFS, a, a maybe a must play this week. I'll just say this, Mike. One of the reasons why I appreciate your insight is you are so incisive. And typically, like, you cut away from fluff things that are not likely to sustain. Like, you know, if a guy has an arbitrary streak of X mm-hmm. number of yards or t- whatever it is. But when you th- that that data right there is scattered over multiple years, was that five right. years, right? Yeah. Good yeah. strong the, sample size. Well, there. but I would say no, I would I, I would actually like the fact that you're taking stock of it gives me more credence because normally I would be like yeah you know five times over five years I get it it's a lot but still like who's to say that the sixth time won't it's pretty consistent and, and, and it's consistent but this yeah. feels un Mike Clay like in some ways which is why I'm taking more stock of it. No, I, I agree with you and sometimes I wouldn't worry about that too much but again. Eagles still get exploited on the perimeter, right? But if, again, if it was he's different, emotionally like, invested. That's the difference. I'm just, it's, just, it's just the facts. It's, it's just the facts. I mean, look, the Eagles the seem to have solved that issue. I wouldn't be that interested. But, I mean, when, when he gets featured against this team and they're targeting this way for years and years and years and the Eagles still haven't fixed that issue, I mean, there's no reason to believe it won't happen again. Uh, so, you know how they have all-time quarterbacks in flag football? If Julio Jones could be an all-time against the Eagles player, Daniel would have him as the number one <laughs> wide receiver in the world. John Brown and the Buffalo Bills go back to the same stadium they were last Sunday for a chance to go 2-0 in MetLife. What do they call it? MetLife Stadium now? Mm-hmm. Whatever yep, it is. Yep. Anyways, the Bills play the Giants on Sunday. I've got them at 33, John Brown. Mike, a little bit less optimistic despite a pretty good matchup here. Well, uh, yeah, it, it is a good matchup. I mean, let's start with that. The Giants allowed 64 fantasy points to receivers last week against Dallas. Uh, that was most in the NFL. They also allowed the most to perimeter receivers. You may have seen Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper and, and obviously Dak Prescott having a huge week. Uh, so we're going to upgrade all of the Bills receivers. The thing is, we're not really in love with them as fantasy starters, except for perhaps John Brown as a borderline wide receiver or flex. So that's why he kind of gets the upgrade here. He's going to see plenty of DeAndre Baker, who struggled in his first NFL game last season. In fact, the receivers lined up against Baker in week one, put up 23 fantasy points. That was fifth most in the league last season. Brown coming off a 10 target game, you know, and you kind of led with this, you know, why is he not higher in our rankings? Well, I mean, that was only the ninth double-digit target game of Brown's career. He's never been a high-volume guy. Can we count on that going forward? I think I need to see it a little bit more from a guy that's averaged fewer than seven targets a game and is, what, 29 years old now. So we're just a little worried about this being a low-volume game. I think the Bills have at least a shot to win this one, but again, a, a, still a, a run-oriented team despite what we saw last week. Oh, the Bills are winning on Sunday. Not to spoil, but the Bills were winning on Sunday. Okay. You heard it. Wow. Lock it in. First. Uh, same city, different team different night the Jets play the Browns on Monday Robbie Anderson Mike had a disappointing start to week one uh, or to the season I should say in week one uh, Demarius Thomas there Quincy a new one now on IR what do you make of Robbie Anderson's matchup against the Browns who we had this conversation before the show must win game of the week goes to Cleveland heading to New York yeah, this is tough. I mean, Robbie Anderson was a guy, I mean, it's a big contract year for him. He finished strong last season. You really wanted to like him this year. And I, I, I took some shots on him in the middle rounds, but we knew coming into the season that almost every week he was going to be looking at a tough shadow matchup. He had the toughest schedule in terms of shadow coverage in the league this season. And, uh, you know, again, we, we saw it last week with Tredavious White. This week he's going to see Denzel Ward of the Cleveland Browns. Now he shadowed Corey Davis in week one. Davis in that game, three targets, zero catches on 19 pass routes. Shut him down. Now, Ward did have three penalties, but nonetheless, he can he can tackle Anderson all day if he doesn't score fantasy points. That's a that's a, a problem, uh, certainly in fantasy. 
Um, these two teams, by the way, did play last season. Anderson only three catches, 39 yards, and some of that did come against uh, Denzel Ward. He was on him part of that game, obviously uh, uh, underwhelming. So got to downgrade Anderson here. Definitely makes me a little bit nervous uh, against Denzel Ward, who seems to be kind of blooming in his second season. You know, the Browns didn't necessarily show it um, throughout the entirety of week one, but that defensive front could be a nightmare for the Jets offensive line, which has mm-hmm. got, um, you know, has had sort of a carousel nature to it, obviously unretiring Ryan Khalil to play center. There's some question marks up front for the Jets, so if the Browns can do what they should be able to do, torture Sam Darnold, it could be a long night for that passing game. All right, Mike, so Devontae Adams, DeAndre Hopkins, I'm starting them, right? No question about it? Are you trying to tell me that, like, hey, be wary (laughs) about these two guys. They got a difficult matchup coming up. Yeah, if you read the wide receiver cornerback matchup article at ESPN+, Plus, I actually added a new section this week because I I, I had technically put Adams and Hopkins under the the tough matchups or downgrades section. And I was like, well, after doing the research, I'm like, I can't justifiably downgrade these guys. Well, Adams is going to be shadowed by Xavier Rhodes, but he's had his number. He's put up, uh, he scored a touchdown in the last three games against Minnesota when he's been shadowed by Rhodes, as well as uh, good yardage numbers. And that's of course, not just Rhodes isn't just good. The Vikings defense has been terrific against wide receivers the last three seasons. And then Hopkins draws Jalen Ramsey, who is one of the best corners in the NFL uh, Ramsey has shadowed Hopkins in five of the past six meetings since he was drafted, and Hopkins has lit up this team, averaging over 11 targets, six and a half catches, almost 78 yards, and a half a touchdown. Works out to 17 fantasy points a game with, again, most of that coming with Ramsey in coverage. He he has owned him as well, so it's tough. I mean, it's tough to, to balance those out when you have such a great corner and a great receiver, but the receiver's had his number. I don't think he can move the needle too much. I don't want to say that what you're doing is is superfluous when it comes to elite wide receivers, but again, like it would have to take an incredible alternative option to, in good conscience, bench a player like Devontae Adams, like DeAndre Hopkins, like whatever, Julio Jones, Odell Beckham, regardless of the matchup in a given week. Yeah, I don't think that, and the headline here shouldn't be that we're kind of debating starting them or not. Definitely start these two guys. You're almost never even going to start one of these, uh, or you're never going to sit one of these stud-wide receivers, even in a tough matchup. Uh, but again, sometimes you have to you have to look through the matchup and see if if it's really going to offset them. Some of these star receivers are just you know we just lock them into Matchup our lineups. They're really the key for it. I think is in DFS, right? That's where you decide: do I spend up on Hopkins or or an Adams in DFS this week? Well, I think the answer is maybe you still should because a lot of people might be off of them when they see Ramsey's well, name on it the also, other side. I think it rears itself in DFS. I also think it rears itself if you play in a three wide receiver league and you're choosing between. A fourth wide receiver in your flex versus a running back, which maybe in a PPR league you lean towards a wide receiver in most weeks. Maybe even awesome second tight end for some reason. You could use that player in the flex. There are some uh, some options with these matchups, just a little bit lower than the guys who are the very cream of the crop, like both Devontae Adams and DeAndre Hopkins are. DeAndre Hopkins, ridiculous. <laughs> I got no words. He is good at football. I am <laughs> just totally blown away by him. You know what else I'm, t- I'm blown away by sometimes? The hiring process, because sometimes hiring can be a slow process. Cafe Alturas, COO, Dylan Miskowitz needed to hire a director of coffee for his organic coffee company. So if I say every day this sounds like a dream job, well, I eventually get it because it sounds like a dream job. But he was having trouble finding qualified applicants. So he switched to ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. Its technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. So you get qualified candidates fast. Dylan posted his job on ZipRecruiter and said he was impressed by how quickly he had great candidates apply. He also used ZipRecruiter's candidate rating feature to filter his applicants so he could focus on the most relevant ones. 
That's how Dylan found his new director of coffee in just a few days. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash 06010. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash 06010. One more time, nice and slow, ZipRecruiter.com slash 06010. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. And we roll right now to a Thursday night game preview. Game preview. Thank you, Daniel. Buccaneers uh, travel to Carolina, right? They travel to Carolina. Yes, in Carolina. They are traveling to Carolina. They're traveling to Carolina, Charlotte specifically, to play the uh, Carolina Panthers, believe it or not. The Panthers are favored by six and a half points in this game. We begin in Tampa Bay. All right, Mike, you're one of those people that's got trust issues. You know, you're sitting there and you're thinking to yourself, I can't commit to this relationship. I just can't do it. I'm more of a me guy. I'm not I'm not really, you know, can't invest myself fully. Maybe you're thinking to yourself, I can't start Jameis Winston. I went out there. Field Yates told me he had this incredible matchup in week one. What a dummy he is. You know what? Jameis Winston threw, touch, threw three touchdown passes on Sunday. Problem is, two of them went to the wrong team. <laughs> oh, the right team. I see what he did there. Or the right team the if right you're Stephania Bell, Touché. right? I mean, come on. Seriously. Yeah. What a disappointing start it was to Jameis. And yet, this is what Jameis does, right? He goes out there and he does ridiculous, terrible output weeks. And then he follows it up and he has a baller week. Is one of those in store? Or are we pessimistic on Jameis Winston? Yeah, I don't know if he has it in him to be as explosive now for one reason. And, and it's that he was very conservative in week one. I don't okay. know if this is a Bruce Arians thing. He said he wasn't going to... Make him more conservative, but he was, right? 8.6 average depth to throw. That was after after he was top five each of his first four seasons in the league in that category. So certainly more conservative. Maybe that lends itself to fewer big explosive plays downfield. Who knows? He still threw three interceptions anyway, despite that, which is a concern. Only averaged a little under 5.5 yards per attempt. So that was a problem for sure. Now he goes to Carolina to face a defense that held Jared Goff to 186 yards and one touchdown in week one. And by the way, uh, I thought this was kind of interesting. So uh, Jameis Winston in his career, uh, or excuse me, last season, 10 touchdowns, four interceptions at home, nine touchdowns, 10 interceptions on the road. And in seven career games against the Panthers, seven touchdowns passing, only nine interceptions. So he's had his hands full in the division against Carolina throughout his career and obviously struggled on the road last season. This Panthers defense is better than what we have seen in years past after adding Gerald McCoy up front and especially with uh, as we'll get to a little bit later, James Bradbury kind of taking a step forward as of late. So I, I don't know. I'm not buying in. This was the the risk with him, right? We, we you I've know, there been was, preaching uh, this yeah. for years, and I finally, I finally was like, okay, I, I now I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a shot because I'm gonna believe that Bruce Arians had had this influence. We heard about it all during the preseason. It sounded like they were very much on the same page, but I think there's a sense that he panics, and when the panic sets in, he his thing that he does is throws it but instead of throwing it away he throws it up in like a hope that something's going to happen that he's going to make something out of nothing and then it goes wrong and i just it's hard i mean what year are we in now Five thousand and nineteen. well yes <laughs> same way like Daniel. 2019 yeah. but it, five years into james winston at what point would we would we be this patient saying we expected something different with anybody else uh, Marcus Mariota, and that's about it. Yeah, that's the <laughs> yeah, same, same class, two. right? Um, but, you know, he is a very yo-yo player. Kyle Soppy is sitting here. He <laughs> is throwing it. up stats of plenty. Kyle oh, says, he's got all kinds of confidence because him. of his Packers. Jameis is it. projected for 4.1 fewer points than Cam. 
Kyle Soppy. I'm not sure who he's angling. Maybe, I guess, towards Mike because Mike yeah, I don't does know. our I'll projections. Take, I will take Jameis over anybody who wants it. It doesn't have to be here. It could be on Twitter, whatever you want. I think he gets within 4.1 points of Cam this week. If not, outscores him tonight. Kyle's very confident in this to the point that I think he like might have been in the future at some point and saw this game already. It's really weird. Like I think he put his house on this no, game. You work on- with Matthew enough, you get confident you can just sell anything you want. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. Kyle gets married in one day, uh, one week from today, one month from today. I can't even speak. Whatever. One day, oh. one week, one Sometime month. Time. Kyle's getting married in a month. Yes. Congrats, a month. buddy. Appreciate that. You're a lucky guy. I'm trying. Um, but <laughs> so Jameis is a yo-yo player. Kyle thinks he's going to be one of those up nights, or not one of those down nights. He's got seven games with under ten, uh, under eight points in his career. So he's got seven games with over 25 points. I don't know. Listen, sometimes he has to play fantasy football emotionally. And right now, if I had Jameis Winston and somebody else, then you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm going in my other direction, assuming it's a player that's comparably ranked to Jameis Winston this week. Um, Peyton Barber, Buccaneers running back. Default starter, sort of, Mike, but, you know, like, you don't get points for finishing second in fantasy football. And I'm not sure that there's a lot of upside here with Peyton Barber. Now, of course, he'll throw, he'll score five touchdowns tonight, but, no, more seriously. Um, listen, he's not playing a ton of snaps. He had this, he was tied for the most running back snaps last week, but there were three running backs at at least 20 snaps, none with more than 24. So it's a split backfield, right? Not a ton of passing game value, not a particularly explosive runner. He's kind of the starter by default. Mm Mm-hmm. Not very excited about this one myself. Yeah, no question. He was getting a huge chunk of the volume all last season and was not a fantasy asset. In fact, he was ninth in the league in carries last season. You realize that ninth in the league in carries was still fantasy's number 31 scoring running back. He was actually 22nd at running back in pass routes. We saw him do a little damage as a receiver last week, at least in terms of getting targets. Only 71st in receiving yards. So he just has not been efficient enough. And I think Tampa Bay knows that. And you're seeing some other guys mixed into this backfield. Again, 24 snaps last week. That matched... Uh, Dare, oh, but is it Ogan Ball? Dare. Uh, yeah, yeah. He, he Google Wale. A Google Wale. That'll work for me. Uh, they, they matched with 24 snaps each. That was most on the team, but still eight carries, four targets. It's not going to cut it. Uh, it doesn't get me excited for my RB2 spot. Yeah, Ronald Jones, uh, by the way, so, uh, no one is higher than 39th on Peyton Barber. Ronald Jones, not much more optimistic. The highest ranking for us on Ronald Jones is Mike and I at 37. So here's the thing. I, I want to mention Ronald Jones not because of the idea, not with the idea in mind that I think you should start him tonight. I mentioned him on the waiver wire. We've all talked about him a lot over the past year. Incredibly disappointing last season. The question becomes this. 37th overall pick in the draft, has shown some skills, had 75 yards rushing last week, 13 carries, felt like the best game of his career. And I get it. That's not what you want for the best game of your career. But... If there's a thread of hope in this Bucks backfield for a player to become a solid one, to me, it's still Ronald Jones. And so mentioning him as a on-the-radar player, maybe a late waiver ad to stash on your bench, hopefully, possibly, maybe he breaks out, not guaranteeing it, but a guy that has, if there's enough capital invested in him, and we saw it at USC. Right. At USC, he mm-hmm. was a phenomenal player his final season. Touchdowns left and right, explosive yardage in the running game, some passing game value too. Fingers crossed here, Model Jones. She's not for tonight. I think he's going to, I think this is going to shift. I think he's going to end up being the guy eventually because he's just going to prove his way into mm-hmm. that role. I just don't think um, Bruce Arians is seeding it quite yet. Yeah, I'm a little, I, I think my major concern is, is he going to produce like a sort of a poor man, Sony Michelle, right? You, you know, like Sony Michelle last season did all that damage as a rusher, but was a non-factor as a pass catcher. Right. And 
this past week, the Buccaneers ran the ball on 71% of Ronald Jones's snaps. He only had one target in that game. He put turned it into 18 yards, which is nice. But if he's just going to be a rotational guy that just gets carries, that, that'll have more value in non-PPR. Non -PPR. Makes me a little nervous in PPR leagues. And, and again, maybe at some point his receiving role expands a little bit. But it didn't for Michelle. I mean, it doesn't for other players as well. Right. Maybe he's just not. But I know they he, also have five options that are run, you know, with running backs and, yeah. and who can catch passes and be effective that way. Yeah. That's just not the same. They don't have the same personnel in Tampa yeah. Bay. So by default, I would say if he shows he can do it, I think that role will increase as well. Yeah, no doubt. So we'll obviously keep an eye on that. Uh, for now, he was third in line in snaps in this backfield last week, but his role, you would imagine, just continues to expand as the season goes on. I consider him a fringe flex option. ESPN Radio, breaking news. The New York Jets have ruled out quarterback Sam Darnold for week two against the Browns with mono. How about wow. that? We knew oh, yesterday that kids, he missed, but we thought it was... The kids all get the mono. But Stefania, yesterday happens. was being described as strep throat. Yeah. Now... Well, you get the sore throat with the mono, so it's understandable that, that he, you know... That that was the first sign, but I think what people might not realize about mono, one of the big things is you get the the enlargement of your liver, and you have to be really be careful about contact. So the it, contact becomes a real issue, and mono can take a long time for recovery. So I'd be definitely concerned about this. Uh, we're sort of following this along with Adam Gase's press conference. He could miss multiple games. Obviously, right. this is not just a right. Monday thing. Right. But I mean, uh, that's mono, what I would say. I mean, this is listen. a much bigger deal, and especially because that. That worry about the contact is is a significant Goodness component gracious. of sports participation clearance after you have mono. Well, listen, everybody knows that, of course, uh, you know, th these are the kind of things that you just don't know. I should say not everybody. You should know that we don't know specifically how long this will take for him to recover from, but something to keep an eye on. And for now, Mike, it's Trevor Simeon. What does this do to the value of, we just talked about Robbie Anderson in a bad, bad matchup. Yikes. Yeah, we might want to back off this Jets offense for a few <laughs> weeks because, wow. uh, you know, no, Darnold's out there. They have, they have Cleveland at home here. Then they go to New England. And either even if they have Darnold back, that's going to be tough. Then they're on a bye week. Then they go to Philadelphia. Then it's Dallas and New England at Jacksonville. I mean, the first half of the season is brutal in the first place. Now they're missing Darnold. I, I mean, maybe, maybe you know, after the bye, when Dar if Darnold's back and healthy, and you know, Chris Herndon's back, maybe That's this offense can have some appeal. But for now, this is this is obviously problematic. I'm not going to want to start Robbie Anderson this week. We already talked about his, his matchup. Uh, you know, J Jamison Crowder in the slot. Maybe he could soak up some targets from Trevor Simeon and have still sustain flex value. You're not touching the tight ends. You're not touching Demarius Thomas right now. Le'Veon Bell, I think, is the only guy right now that you lock into your lineup, and that's it. The other guys are borderline. Their buy comes at a favorable time, but still, if four, you guys right? had mono, yeah. like it no. depletes you completely. Like there is no energy. There's a, this is a it's a big deal. I I think this. You know, we'll see. He's got youth on his side, but it's a tough thing to bounce back from. It's not a cold, a flu. Is it's definitely more significant. All right. So, uh, Le'Veon, by the way, is not practicing either today. Don't know if that is because of an injury issue or that's right. just a load management thing for the Jets. Uh, oh, it's a shoulder issue yeah. for Le'Veon Bell. All right. Well, okay. Stay Jeez. tuned. Jets don't fall apart uh, amongst. Of course, you know, the, they the don't play till Monday night, so that helps. You know, yeah, 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 it could be day. like um, one of these extra vet days. Right. Know. Man. Okay. When we get back on track, right. we return to the Bucks and the Panthers. And Mike, you mentioned this a little while ago, but Mike Evans has actually a pretty difficult matchup against James Bradbury. Players emerge there for the Carolina Panthers. 
Yeah, no doubt about it. And Evans, by the way, coming off kind of a slow week one, right? Five targets, two catches, 28 yards. Did have two end zone targets, which you like, but, uh, and, and maybe, you know, we know how good he is. We know that he's usually busy near the goal line. So we're still going to rank him as a, a fringe wide receiver one, but you, that makes you a little bit worried after they struggled with their passing game in week one. But also, yeah, uh, Bradbury has shadowed Evans during each of the f- last five games between the Panthers and the Bucks. And at first, Evans had his number in 2016 in a matchup and then 2017 in two matchups. He beat him fine. Last year, though, he really struggled, did Evans. 10 catches, one, uh, excuse me, 10 targets, one catch, 16 yards in the first meeting, six targets, four catches, 48 yards in the second. A total, a total of 64 yards on five catches in two games with Bradbury shadowing him. That makes you a little bit nervous with Bradbury just seemingly getting better and better uh, after struggling a lot earlier on in his career, honestly, early last season as well. Also, Evans has struggled overall against the Panthers in his career. Ten career games, he's averaging 56.6 yards. He's been under 85 receiving yards four of his past five against the Panthers. So there's no doubt we should be a little nervous against season long. We talked about this earlier. Sometimes even in tough matchups, these guys are good enough that you start them. That's the case here. But in, again, daily fantasy or extremely shallow leagues, you might want to stay away. Well, okay, interesting stuff. Yeah, I got it, definitely. Um, I'm still I'm sort of wrapping my head around the uh, the Jets news, but Mike Evans, they're still a player that, uh, you know, in most leagues you're going to be starting unless, again, you have these extreme circumstances of awesome, awesome depth. Time now for our IBM Watson Insight of the Week, and our friend Kyle Sapi tells us about Chris Godwin. We are Penn State. We certainly are, Field. Chris Godwin has a 26.5% chance to boom tonight and go over 21.5 points. Even better than that, IBM Watson has him as the sixth best receiver in the NFL this week in terms of game-breaking potential. Are you guys in on the pride of Penn State this week? Interesting. I've got him ranked 22nd this week. Uh, Mike has him at 21, Stefania at 24. So maybe not as optimistic as Watson is, but a player that, just based off of skill set, is always going to have some upside. But yeah, I mean, I think after what we saw last week in this operation in Tampa Bay... There are reasons to be a bit more reserved than that. Yeah, after he, after uh, Godwin was a part-time player his first two seasons, we were almost, I mean, we may have as well have been promised a bigger role for him, right? The full-time role. Right. And we got him week one. He was on the field for 36 of 39 pass plays. He was targeted six, to- uh, six times, which is a little light. We want that number to be higher, and maybe it will be this week because I just talked about Mike Evans kind of having a tough matchup on the perimeter. Well, uh, Chris Godwin is a pretty good matchup. He lined it up in the slot 67% of the time in week one. He'll draw his former teammate, JV and Elliott, in, in the slot this time. And obviously, we used to pick on him when he was on Tampa Bay. He had a hard time there uh, covering uh, good slot corners. And that may be the case here against Chris Godwin. By the way, Cooper Cup, 10 targets, 7 catches, 46 yards at Carolina in week one with Elliott covering him on some of those plays. So this sets up nicely for Godwin. Have a good day. All right, O.J. Howard, last player that I know Mike has been bullish on all offseason, like many others. He's a top 10 tight end for us. Wasn't a great week last week to get things going here in week one, but it wasn't a great week for anybody in that Tampa Bay offense, all things considered. So we still have confidence here in O.J. Howard. Um, We'll get to the other tight end in this matchup in just a minute. But first, Mike, you got a spiffy new haircut. Where'd you pick that one up, or where did you go to get that haircut, Uh, I guess? Yeah, I went to a sport clips. And listen, whatever the cut, there's now a shortcut. Download the Sport Clips Haircuts app and check in online to reserve your spot. Flexible and convenient when you want it. Plus self-check in kiosks at all Sport Clips locations. And don't forget your beard trim, Sport Clips. You choose the cut, they cut the weight.
All right, we roll along with the uh, second portion of our game preview with the Carolina Panthers and Cam Newton. Um, no concerns about him uh, after, you know, there was obviously uh, some concerns about his health going into week one. It wasn't the health. He just didn't play that well. But Mike and Starfania, because they appreciate his fashion sense, Yes. If you don't get what I'm talking about, just go no, check Twitter. Uh, Cam dressed. And by the way, the best tweet about it was Mina Kipes' tweet about how he looked like the old woman in the fable who was supposed to be teaching the young man about empathy. Well like, done there from Mina, so as good. always. But Cam Newton, actually, you guys have both have him at two. Yes. I've got him at four. My question will be, um, is it because you have confidence that this offense is going to get back on track? Is it because the defense is so porous in Tampa Bay? Because I'm not saying that it's great. But it played okay last week, or maybe Jimmy Garoppolo just played poorly for San Francisco. Like the matchup doesn't seem quite as enticing as it may have last year, Mike. Yeah, I, I still like it. I still think it's a pretty good matchup. I mean, yeah, Vernon Hargraves had a pretty good game, but they still have major question marks in that secondary. And again, it's the same secondary essentially. There's right. some some small changes as last year when they had the fifth most yards and third most passing touchdowns to opposing quarterbacks as well as a league high ca- uh, a completion percentage and yards per attempt the top five and fantasy points allowed again very similar dynamic uh, in that secondary and by the way I mean Cam Newton again the Bucks haven't had a good defense in, in quite a while and he has had a lot of success at home against them 15 touchdowns and three interceptions in six career home games against the Buccaneers averaging 24 p- fantasy points in those games he's not ne- actually He's never played at home against the Buccaneers and been under 16 fantasy points. So he has really That's delivered the goods against them. Uh, my concern, Stefania, and maybe you could touch on this because obviously we're, we're, we were a little nervous about his health last week. Uh, only two rushes in this game and in that game in week one, and he didn't throw, he threw deep one time. He, I have a theory on this after you're done. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think it's fair that if people are saying, well, you know, is, is he really over everything? I can tell you this. There were no complaints from mm-hmm. him about his foot or his shoulder. You know, every everything feels good to him. He is not being limited physically, but that doesn't mean there isn't, he hasn't played four quarters. That was the first game he's played four quarters since undergoing the shoulder surgery, since having his foot tweaked in that preseason game. And so I, I think when you wrap all that around, plus him trying to be smarter, make better decisions, that I think that will evolve. And I think you're going to see it starting tonight. Someone who's really smart can probably prove me wrong on this, but I'll try. Uh, my theory on quarterbacks not running as much in week one is that it's rare, if not, I don't know, out of the question right now, that a team goes into its season and says, you know something? What we really want is for our quarterback to rush the football 15 times a game, right? It's the most important asset on the roster. And, you know, the more hits you take, the more vulnerable you are to injury. That teams come out of the gate slowly at the beginning of the year, right? Carolina's like, listen, we want to win from the pocket with Cam. Now, we understand he's going to run from time to time. He's a great scrambler, et cetera. But how many quarterbacks right out of the gates last week were running threats? Kyle Murray. But, but yeah, Josh had 10 for 38, but those were mostly just, you know, breakdowns and, and protection. Yeah, Murray didn't really run. Yeah. Murray had what, two rushes, I think? Lamar yeah, he Jackson scramble. had three rushes. Yeah, I think Jackson was more game script, but. Sure, yeah, okay. and, and that yeah. definitely helped, right? But like, my thought is that maybe some of these teams come out of the gates at the beginning of the season saying, we can do it. We can win from the pocket with our quarterback. But then once the season gets going and things happen, plays break down, and maybe your offense is stuck in the mud and Carolina's didn't look great last week, that's my theory. So anyways, I've got Cam Newton as quarterback four. Um, you guys have him at two. We all like Cam as a must-start this week. We also like Christian McCaffrey. Dude, Like, what else is there for me to oh, say? Okay, I just want to talk for one second about the play he made where he was being held at his ankles, and he basically did a one-arm plank and kept himself off the ground so he could extend his arm and create the touchdown. That is the kind of 
beast physically that Christian McCaffrey is, despite his small stature, uh, incredibly strong and powerful and finds a way to get these kinds of things done that you just don't see. Yeah, dominated Tampa Bay last season, 185 rushing yards, two touchdowns, 133 yards on 14 catches and a touchdown. Obviously, uh, you know, again, there's not much to say. We know he's a stud. We know you lock him in your lineup, but at least we also know he just dominated this team last season. By the way, the Bucks defense did allow an NFL high 22 touchdowns to running backs last season. And the 49ers running backs had 30 carries in week one. That was third most in the league. Again, we're just kind of piling on here. In fact, that's why we have him RB1, right? As opposed to Barkley this week, because the matchup on top of everything else just sets up beautifully. 19 carries, 11 targets in week one. Unreal. It is amazing how much Christian McCaffrey immediately vaulted his game to the next level last year. Remember in his first NFL season, Christian McCaffrey was a player that some were saying, can't break tackles. Yeah. Not great after contact. The oh. guy's not going to be able to do anything unless it's in space. And I'll be honest with you, I had some concerns too. Because he did, that's what he did his rookie season. Because it happened. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> after that, the guy totally improved his game. Um, Christian McCaffrey, I mean, uh, listen. He's a best, phenomenal athlete. I mean, the, the best running back in the NFL conversation, the short list includes Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley. You know, it's four guys. Yeah. Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott, Alvin Kamara. The four guys the four that we considered the with the number one pick. A healthy Todd Gurley. And right. a healthy Todd yep. Gurley. Agreed on that. Yeah, but so here's where it gets interesting for Carolina is the pass catchers, right? It's DJ Moore. It's Curtis Samuel. Uh, we, all of us in this podcast, were collectively more optimistic on more than Samuel going into the year. I think a lot of people had the inverse opinion. Hey, Curtis Samuel's going to be the breakout guy this year. Well, I still, I, I did hype that. I'll cop to that. And I still think that's going to be the case. I, I think I, I don't want to overreact, you know, overreaction out of week one. I don't want to overreact mm-hmm. yet. But I agree yeah, with that. Yeah. It didn't happen. This In week. any event. Uh, so it did not happen right away. And it was more, so uh, DJ Moore had what, 10 targets in week one, I believe ten. it was. Yeah, and Curtis Samuel had five, I think it was in total uh, last week. So four, yeah. Four, excuse me. Uh, DJ off. Moore, yeah, way off by one. Uh, DJ Moore was the more productive, more targeted receiver. I think that the skill set, like, I don't, it's, it's not a stretch. As, as a matter of fact, it's like probably a cold take to say that DJ Moore is even more talented than Curtis Samuel. So I remain a believer in DJ Moore, why we all have him as at worst a flex play this week. Whereas Curtis Samuel might have to earn my, his way into one of our lives. We've all got him outside of our top. He's a wide receiver five this week for us. Yeah, no doubt. And, and I kind of, I'm kind of with you, Stefani. I mean, it was, I certainly preferred, preferred more to Samuel in the offseason, but I don't think we want to overreact to what we saw in week one. And here's why. Fair. He was on the field for 39 of their 41 pass plays. At, that was actually one more than DJ Moore. So he's out there. He's involved. And it's not like he's going to be out there just running routes, right? right. He's going to be involved like he was last season. Again, only the four targets. That, that number will go up. Scored two touchdowns in that home game against the Bucks last season. We saw it throughout the second half of the season, him making an impact. So I think he's fine. And DJ Moore, again, I, I have him in just inside my top 20. Again, full-time player, 10 targets last week. And uh, this is kind of interesting. Qu- a qu- just a really quick note on Moore. Uh, last year, he had an 8.4 average depth of target. Kind of on the low side. He did a lot of damage with the ball in his hands. I was thinking maybe he's going to be like a golden tape. Maybe it limits his ceiling in fantasy. Up to 10.6 on those 10 targets last week. So maybe he gets a little bit more work uh, downfield. Maybe that allows him to expand his game. That would be a good sign. But nonetheless, I think more lock him in the lineup, Samuel. Kind of a fringe guy right now, but I wouldn't panic yet. Just a reminder that uh, DJ Moore last year led the NFL amongst qualified wide receivers in yards after the catch per yes. catch. He's explosive. He's fast. He's a big play waiting to happen, as was the case during his time at Maryland as well. Now, Greg Olson on the injury report because of a back injury. Stefania, 
No concerns here about him playing tonight, though. No, no concerns about him playing. He will play, but I think this is uh, this is what you get with a veteran guy. You know, so durable for so much of his career. This is an old back problem that flared up on him. His back stiffened up um, in the game, so you know back tightness that he got worked on this week. One note for Carolina again: when you read the injury reports, if you happen to look at them, you'll see players listed as do not practice, limited or full. But you have to keep in mind, sometimes those are just estimations. Carolina, for example, did not practice on Monday, did not practice on Wednesday, only practiced on Tuesday. But they projected Olsen as somebody who would have practiced in full had they actually had a practice on Wednesday. So when you see the trend going up, that tells you what the team is thinking. Um, But Greg Olsen at the Whatever, whatever you heard about this week, he will play tonight and he should be fine. He'll play, Mike, uh, and volume might be on his side. Last week he was all over the place for Carolina. Now it was, it was sort of, it was kind of, he's in the Jason Witten stage of his career. Yes. Uh-huh. He is like, uh, the volume might be there in a given week. The upside might not be so significant anymore. Yeah, I was surprised after he missed so much time the past two seasons. He was on the field for 60 of their 64 snaps. I and mean, then his back stiffened up. I mean, so I, yeah, I would say, I, to your point, they they may choose where, their spots with him as the season goes on. Yeah, but I, was, I still think he's a threat in the end zone. He's still a cam outlet, potentially. Yeah, it's possible he scored against uh, Tampa Bay at in Charlotte last year. Um, He did, you know... Nine targets in that game. That were, were his most since 2017 in Week 15. It's been a long time since he's been in that area. Again, didn't do that much damage. Like you said, four catches, 36 yards. He didn't score last week. That's what worries me a little bit. I'm, I'm not sure what his upside is at this stage of his career, especially with him. You mentioned his back and, and the injuries he's had. So uh, cautious optimism, I guess, a little right. bit here, but I don't feel great starting him just yet. I did. Talk, you know, I saw somebody who was in a deep league uh, last night was looking. They got the Hunter Henry news. They had no idea who to pick, and there weren't many people, but Greg Olson was hanging out there. I was sure. like, why not? Because you at least know that he's going to be targeted, and you've got a chance, as opposed to some of these guys you're not even sure if they're going to see the field that much. Yeah, good to see that Greg Olson will be there tonight. Let's do a game pick real quick. Um, I am going to go with the Carolina Panthers playing at home tonight. Mike, how about you? I am as well. Panthers 26, Bucks 21. Okay. I'm going to go with the Panthers. Daniel, do you feel like being the contrarian today? <laughs> I don't even know what that is. Is that a, that is that a pirate? A that was a panther. That was <laughs> no. so obviously a panther. Yeah. Come on, yeah, guys. Yeah, like a pirates are so easy. No, pirates are... Arr, shiver me timbers, matey. I be taking the buccaneers. That was amazing. That's what I okay, that was good, Daniel. Daniel. And you actually looked at Park. Just put an eye patch on. You guys, on. I appreciate that. That, that was, was weird. Did you practice that? I did not. That's just, I'm good at doing pirates. <laughs> I have a friend whose brother's a pirate. That's a random A real-life pirate. <laughs> really? Yep, real-life pirate. Interesting. Yeah, it's really cool. I mean, as far as I know. I haven't spent much time with this pirate, but well, I imagine... me and him cool. will have to share some war stories sometime, matey. You two can, okay. can fight over I booty. I think I was good with Who gets to keep it? Um, right, Stephane, Daniel. Calm down. Come on. <laughs> I thought it was really good. Well done, Daniel. Uh, tell us about... You can play pirates on DraftKings, I think. Uh, you can. If you're playing baseball. But we're going to play <laughs> hey, football this oh, week. Week one is in the books, but DraftKings isn't finished celebrating with some huge fantasy football contests. For week two of the football season, DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy football, is giving new users a free shot at over $1.5 million in prizes with your first deposit when you visit DraftKings.com slash FFF. Draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every run, throw, and catch mean more with a DraftKings lineup on the line. It's simple. Just draft your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Plus, all new and existing users can get a deposit bonus up to $500. 
That's some extra cash to play with this football season. Nothing adds to the sweat of watching the game quite like having a shot at over $1.5 million in prizes. So head to DraftKings.com slash FFF right now. For a limited time, all new and existing users can get a deposit bonus of up to 500 bucks. Plus, new users who sign up at DraftKings.com slash FFF will get a free shot at over $1.5 million in prizes with your first deposit. That's DraftKings.com slash FFF for all new and existing users to claim your special offer. Only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Deposit bonus requires a 25 times playthrough. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. And check out the Friday DFS podcast with Mike Clay, myself, and Al Zeidenfeld. Last week, we crushed it. And we are going to try to do something as equally good this week. Yeah, we have uh, one game in in mind for sure. We've started some early work. There's a game that stands out this week. We're going to talk a lot about it on Friday. Absolutely. So come back for that DFS podcast and... I'll tell you what, why don't we transition into some social questions here. Keith, why don't you take it away? Tell us more, Keith. Well, I'll start with a good comment that uh, Caleb in our chat just came up with, and he says, I'm a Pittsburgh guy, and I can tell you that what the Pirates do isn't baseball. <laughs> so, I thought that was a pretty good uh, <laughs> good start. That's pretty good, pretty good like right it. there. I like it. But uh, we start off with APAT9 and says, uh, with backup quarterbacks in Jacksonville and the Jets this week, who will be affected more, Robbie Anderson or D.D. Westbrook? Mike, take it away here. Backup quarterbacks, don't ever go against Mustache, by the way. Yeah, yeah um, I'm going to go. Uh, I, I, I think Anderson will be more affected. We, we've talked about Westbrook actually having a good matchup. In fact, Aaron Colvin was released. I mean, he was the full-time slot corner for Houston last week. They cut him loose, and I don't have a great answer for who – they're going to start in the slot. We'll see. It could be Lonnie Johnson, the rookie. I think they have. A, I think Crawford is his name. The kid that they have the the slot corner, the youngster. So, um, I think Westbrook uh, will will continue to be busy in this game. I think he's less affected. I feel a little better about him. Bryce wants to know if Antonio Brown ends up on the commissioner's exempt list. Does Philip Dorsett's Week One become more interesting and roster worthy? I'd uh, say so. You know, remember now the Patriots' top three wide receivers are Julian Edelman. If if Antonio Brown were not part of the picture. It would be Edelman, it would be Josh Gordon, and it would be a combination of Philip Dorsett and Jacoby Myers. If you think there's a chance that this turns into a 40-plus touchdown season for Tom Brady, then yeah, Philip Dorsett could be a compelling deep league flex or bye week fill-in. But that's about as far as I would go right now. I'm just not as optimistic. I mean, he scored two touchdowns last week. He only had four targets in that game. He did play a lot, but I mean, this is a guy that came into this season having, he had four, he has four years under his belt, four seasons under his belt coming into this year, had six total touchdowns. Mm-hmm. I'm just not sure he has it in him to be a full-time uh, high target guy. I don't even think he'll get to the six to seven targeted game range. So I'm just not, I'm not quite as, as uh, interested. We know anything about the Patriots. It's game by game. You know, yeah, the script is, is different. The stars are different week in and week out. So it's hard to count on anyone in any given week. Next question here has a DFS angle to it, it appears. But uh, from Juicy Dog wants to know, which tandem do you like more this week? Cam and DJ Moore tonight or Josh Allen and John Brown? Tonight, uh, Cam and Moore for sure. We talked about why we like Cam. I have Moore as a top 20 receiver. I, I have, I mean, I have Cam ranked ahead of Allen and I have uh, Moore ranked ahead of Brown. So for me, that's an easy call. I'd agree with that one. Yeah, I mean, certainly Cam, we have him as a top four play, and DJ Moore, we have ranked in, in the twenties. Then uh, John Brown as well. So yeah, yeah, I think it's just you know you follow the rankings there, and it's a pretty yeah. obvious answer for all of us. Yeah, I was thinking just on a DFS end if it was one of those you know diversify your lineup questions, but I get you there. Um, Cr Seven Fernandez wants to know: I have Cousins and Trubisky as my quarterbacks. Should I pick up Josh Allen and drop Darius Geis? 
Oof, I mean, so Cousins and Trubisky as your quarterbacks. Drop Josh Allen. No, to, I'm sorry, Josh Darius Geis to pick up Josh Allen. Well, I don't want three quarters. I don't yeah. want three quarterbacks. I might just drop sure. one of the other two. I, yeah. I think I'd drop Kirk Cousins. Yeah, I think I would too. Yeah. I don't think, you know, the, the legs value for Mitch Trubisky and Josh Allen feels more valuable right now. Yep. And uh, Allen, we've talked about as a borderline top 10 play this week, so you could fire him up. And then the last one here, our multiple users on in the chat so far have, have asked, how droppable is Kenyon Drake? He's not. He's not, I don't think. I mean, he was still their, their top running back last week. Um, yeah, here's the, I think Kyle's the stats here, 25 snaps to Kalen Balazs, 19. And I mean, they both were relatively ineffective, but Drake's still going to be the primary pass catcher. They're not going to be that bad every week, even though this offense is going to be a disaster. But again, if you think Miami's going to be behind all year long, that means Drake's on the field, not right. Balazs. They're going right. to throw him the ball. So, uh, I think you, you still hang tight. I would be a little patient there. Good. Okay. Good stuff there. And agreed on that. We'll be patient with starting running backs. Let's just generally add after one week. Like I think in general, just like, you know, don't cut bait that quickly. Uh, we've got a lot of questions right now in the chat regarding the Jets. We're going to get more information because right now we are kind of just shooting from the hip, not really knowing a whole lot about this team and their recent injury updates. Of course, that involves Sam Darnold, who's out for at least week two. Le'Veon Bell getting an MRI on his shoulder today. We'll see if he plays. Again, Ooh. that game is on Monday, so we might get our best information, honestly, Saturday afternoon when their yep. final injury report is due. So we'll get to that and so much more. In the meantime, continue to send those questions to the at Fantasy Focus handle on Twitter. We'll talk to you guys on Friday. Here's what we're going to do. A full preview of all them games. Can't wait. Peace out. He's a NASCAR guy with a base to try. A leg for fans alive. Charges are off to a terrible start. But that won't change his mind. Matching up all the cornerbacks Touchdown regression and weekly stats But if your team falls flat He's the one to blame He's a brainiac, brainiac on the case With projections that can put us in first place He's a brainiac, brainiac, he's my clay Geico presents Left Brain versus Right Brain. I've decided it's a sensible decision to switch to Geico. Okay, I feel you. We could save ourselves hundreds of dollars a year on car insurance. Oh, and then airbrush a Pegasus on the side of our hatchback. No, we will not airbrush a Pegasus on the side of our hatchback. We will reinvest that savings in a high-yield investment like a mutual fund. Oh, a Pegasus riding a jet ski playing a bass guitar. I cannot believe we share the same medulla. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.